Good morning. He said they, but Paul said I'm staying here. Um, so I, it was funny because I was talking to Matt, and he said, I, we didn't realize that you weren't um, speaking, that this is your vacation, your rest. And I said, yeah, I didn't offer to speak anywhere in Michigan, but when they asked us to come, I was um, excited to. And the exact word was, I feel anxious to do it because I haven't been releasing the word um, as we're used to, as we're in the, in the habit of releasing God's word over the nations and over God's people. And so we're anxious for it and happy for it. So thank you so much for having us. Thanks for the invite. And um, I want to give honor to my husband, Paul. So Pastor Paul, um, if you haven't met him, you'll want to. Uh, Paul is a pure-blooded Filipino, so from the tropics out in the Pacific Ocean, on the other side of the world, where it's very warm all the time, um, and he's come here to the frigid Michigan um, to bring the to bring the fire of God. What's that? He 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 does much better in the cold weather than I do, to be quite honest. And I, I'm uh, Marcy. I'm originally from here, from Michigan, from Coral area. Matt and I went to school together way back in the day. And <laughs> he, he did, he, thank you for not giving how many years we've known each other. <laughs> it was like, you know, another 12 maybe. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm excited for what God is doing and stirring right now. And I believe that, I, I understand and believe that there is a shifting happening and in God's people and in the times, and it's really important. And um, it's important that where we are right now, and God's chosen the place of our habitation, as it says in Acts, um, and he's done that because he chose us, each of us, to have specific people in our realm of influence that we could bring life and light. So let's open our hearts and our minds in prayer um, as we get ready to receive the word. Father God, we just thank you so much for this time. We thank you for your spirit that teaches our hearts, and we thank you for your word that is living and active. Lord, we just thank you that as we receive your word this morning, that our hearts would be open and ready and and just tender to your word. Lord, that we would be moldable for you so that when we leave this place, we will be changed, activated more into what you've called us to be and to do. And Lord, we love you. We give you all the honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo. Okay, um, this might be a little scrambled. I notice there's like a couple people who have a piece of paper, but you're probably going to want it like in your phone or something. Just jot down the things that the Spirit just grabs hold of you in, okay? Um, because it might be here or there. You're not going to be able to remember some kind of systematic formulation. Okay, are you ready? All right. Um, I want to start with a word that I heard just a couple days ago, and this might be familiar and like normal for you, maybe you know it already, but if you know it already, I think God's putting an emphasis and a reminder for it, and if you don't know already or you haven't heard it put this way before, grab hold, okay? So uh, in the spiritual realm, there are, um, or I should say in the earthly realm, there are places and uh, people who experience thin atmospheres. Have you heard the term thin atmosphere? Okay, so the thin atmosphere is where the boundary between the spiritual and the physical is very thin or non-existent. Like whatever is in heaven is here. We can experience it in in tangible ways. Whereas when there is a thick atmosphere, sometimes we say the presence of God is thick, but if there's a thick barrier um, then it's different. It's harder to see, to understand what God is doing and um, what's happening in the spiritual realm. We only feel or sense the physical. And it also is true of the spiritual realm and the demonic and the, and the darkness, that there are thick atmospheres where people are totally clueless to what the enemy is doing. And there are other times that they are very much aware and um, brought into a spirit of fear threat and other things uh, because they, they sense what's happening there. But I wanted to speak into this because um, I really believe that God is calling us to be people who carry a thin atmosphere because we can, um, 
we can foster that kind of atmosphere by being aware of what he's doing, by tuning in, by listening, and by walking in that, by going towards him, by going, uh, walking within the presence, being aware of what he's doing and what he's speaking. Um, but uh, we can also ask God to allow us to tune into what the enemy's doing so that we can over-broadcast and shift and change this spiritual atmosphere. Um, Sometimes what happens is that people who experience the thin atmosphere on this side, um, it sets them back. Or they say, ooh, man, I went to such and such place, and is it dark there? You can, like, feel it. And they can talk for 30 minutes about the darkness Um, or about a bad dream or about something like that because it's something that shook them. But the reality is that God is, if, if this is a believer, God is opening their eyes so that they can become aware and so that they can over broadcast. They can tap into that, tune in and then tap in so that you can declare and shift that atmosphere. It's, a, it's an awareness so that we can speak into it because we have authority to bring into that situation. And so if he's naming things, oh, there's a spirit of suicide over this, there's a spirit of witchcraft over that, and um, that's great to become aware of it, but there's a purpose of being aware of it. Some people are feelers. Oh, I feel this on this person, I feel this on that person, and it makes me feel so depressed because they're depressed. You know, I'm really struggling, but it's not me. It's because of them. But that's not the point. That's not the purpose. The purpose is that God is letting you feel that, experience that, so you can speak into it. So you can take authority over it and speak the opposite. Speak from heaven and apply that to them. It's no different than receiving um, a, a word of knowledge about healing. Right? I feel an awful pain in my right knee. Oh, I know it's not mine, but it really hurts. It's because I'm a feeler. I'm just going to walk around like this. You know, (laughs) obviously when it comes to word of knowledge about healing, we know what to do, right? It's it's like who here has pain in their right knee and we're taking it out because that's what God said. But when it comes to atmospheres, it's the same principle, okay? So even if it's in the news, in the media, or in people's conversation— God brings it to our awareness because we have authority to counter it with heaven. Okay? So thin atmospheres, carrying that. Part of this is that we need to know what the word of God says and what's available to us. Because everything in the heavenly realm is available to us, but most people don't, are not aware of what is available. Most people are not aware. Okay? It's like uh, there was a guy who was... Uh, upgraded to first class. We fly a lot in our travels. Okay, I'll go over that a little bit in a second. I was just too excited about this part. Um, we fly a lot. There was, a, there was this guy, Filipino guy, who was upgraded to first class because of some scrambling of the seating. So he was upgraded to first class. And then when he had arrived at his destination, international destination, his friend said, oh, that's so cool that you were upgraded to first class. Like, praise God. Did you get the ice cream? Like, isn't it so good? Did you ask for, like, special desserts? Isn't it awesome? And he was like, what? What are you talking about? And he goes, yeah, if you're in first class, you can ask for basically anything you want, and they'll give it to you for free. And he was like, I had no idea. I just sat there and thought, wow, this is a big seat. You know, sometimes, and, and best of all, he arrived at his destination, right? Sometimes as Christians, we think it's all about the destination. And we didn't realize what was available to us on the journey, right? So when we realize what's available to us on the, on the journey, we realize that God has given us all things in the heavenly realms, right? He's given us all things for doing his will. Amen. So, phew. so as we're speaking into these realities, we have, we have to know what's available to speak into it. When we tune into worship, when we tune into his word, then we know what we can speak. Now, when we're working in the nations, of course, we're entering different kinds of atmospheres. Right now, Paul and I are working in about... Somebody's here. That's so cool. I love that. <laughs> 
sometimes, uh, you know, we're traveling into five different countries usually. Uh, in the Philippines is a Roman Catholic country. Myanmar, or Burma, is a Buddhist country. Bangladesh is a Muslim country. Nepal is a Hindu country. And then there's Singapore. And if you know anything about Singapore, they're some of the wealthiest people in the world. Um, but they have these Chinese, Taoist, um, career-driven people. So yeah, basically every major religion in the world is encompassed in these five countries. And you're entering different atmospheres. You're entering different strongholds that you're seeing. But realizing that there's a difference between praying through a list and standing in the gap for somebody. How many of you pray, you know, like regularly? Like you have a list. Yeah, like these are the people I'm praying for. That's awesome. So there's this kind of like standing in the gap, knowing this person needs prayer. I'm going to lift them up. I'm going to re- when I think of them, I'm going to be praying for them. But there's a kind of prayer. It's called prophetic intercession. And that's when my main purpose is maybe I'm lifting up a situation or a person or a place, but my first thing I'm going to do is just listen from heaven. What is God saying about that place? Because we can proclaim things we know. We can proclaim things that we hope for that situation or person. But when we hear from heaven, we're partnering with what God's already saying and doing. That's when it's as on earth as it is in heaven. When we're partnering with what he already said. So even in our day-to-day life, that's what I'm talking about. Bringing that, what God says to be true in his word, and what he's speaking to be true over that situation or that place, and proclaiming it, over-broadcasting what the enemy is trying to say about it. Or trying to say to them. Because there's all the, you know, in some of these places, there are lies being broadcasted in the physical realm. On megaphones, on loud phones. In the Philippines, it happens. You know, in the, in the Catholic chapel, they are, they're broadcasting over the, air, the physical airways that people can hear their, their announcements, what they're saying, what they're speaking over the land and over the people. And in Myanmar, it's the same. First thing, when I wake up early in the morning to pray, one of the th- sounds of morning is this, you know, this call to prayer of the Buddhists. And um, they're speaking it over the water. They're speaking it over the land. They're speaking it over the people, whether they're listening or not. But the land is receiving those words. So when we rise up and we take authority with the word God is saying, we can over-broadcast and shift that atmosphere, okay? Um. So, let's see, phew. So, tuning in, realizing that when we see or experience these things or we hear people speaking about the, the things that are happening in their life, that God's giving us that for a purpose, that we can speak into it, okay? Um, there's a word that keeps coming back over this week, and at first I was like, wow, that doesn't really, I didn't, it didn't really connect with me, you know? Have you ever experienced that? Like somebody's preaching and you're like, you know, sometimes you're like, man, that was like a bullseye. What in the world, pastor? You know, but then other weeks you're just like, well, that was interesting. I'm going to put that on the back shelf. (laughs) Not sure if that was really for me. Um, Maybe sound a little bit of a downer, but, um, but it kept coming back this week. And so I thought there's something to this. And it's a preparation for, for times that are darker, for darker times, times in the darkness, what to do in darkness. And when we were driving here, it's about an hour from my place to here. I don't know. It must be all fields the whole way. <laughs> like, I almost autopiloted to 131, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> back to the back roads. Keep going, you know. Um, but it was so foggy this morning, right? And it was, so, was kind of a little bit slippery on some of the back roads. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is that? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So, but in the fog, God was speaking through it. He was saying, uh, a lot of people, when it's a foggy day, they close their schools. They have a delay, and it's like stay at home. You can't see. So you stay home. 
But some people lean into the fog and they press in. They lean forward to see what is there. And there's, um, in, our, in our real lives, in the spiritual realm, there's a fog or a haze that's all around us. What, what the world says, what the media says, what the enemy is saying, what people are saying, it causes a fog. But people who lean in and press in and look hard, he's hidden in plain sight treasures for us. It's in plain sight, but there's a fog. Does that make sense? So we have to lean in and press in to find them. We need to dig for it. And this is true in the darkness. In Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 43, he talks about the treasures that he's hidden in darkness for us to find so that then we will proclaim that he is the Lord. And so these times that seem dark or hard or foggy, um, it seems like we're lacking clarity. The reality is he's doing something specific. He's calling us to press in and to look hard and to look for him, to seek him. And we have a different posture when, if we're looking at the fog, my kids were having a whole science discussion in the back seat. Why is it that when we get closer to the fog, we can see better, they asked. Because it seemed like the fog was over there, but then as we drove closer to it, <laughs> then it was clear. Because as we press in, things are revealed. Right? As we press in, there's a revelation of what was there all along. And so we wake up from being tired or or in a fog, we wake up and say, surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't even realize it. But he was there all along. And so this pressing in, in the darkness, digging for treasure when it's dark. Okay, there's three D's I'm going to give you what to do in the darkness. Okay, this is not the sermon, it's just a side thing. All right, so in the darkness, if you find yourself in a dark place anytime soon or sometime this coming year, this is what we're going to do. Are you ready? Dig for treasure. Dig for treasure because it says that treasure is hidden in the darkness for us. The second one is that dream. When there's darkness, it's time to dream. Dream with God. Okay? Don't get overwhelmed by the immediate circumstance, but when it's darkness, when it's nighttime, it's time to dream. And then, when you dream, you declare. Okay? Declaring the word of God, declaring what he's already spoken, and declaring into that atmosphere. And I found it interesting that, that God himself, he describes himself as shrouded or covered in darkness. There, you know, we usually think of God as like a fluffy, bright cloud, the presence of God beaming out. But he says, I'm sh- I shroud myself in darkness and lightning is striking and it's a fearsome thing. <laughs> I, I hide myself in darkness. But then he says, you know, even um, the darkness is like light to him. And it's not a scary thing, but it's a way that he hides himself so that as we press in and press forward, that we find the treasures he has hidden for us. He hides treasures for us. We all know this. For us, not from us. Just like with our kids. We have four kids. Paul and I have four children. We have twins that are nine and a half, the girls. And then we have a four-year-old son who is too excited to get Sunday school started, so you probably didn't see him. And we have a um, little two-year-old daughter who's going to be three in a couple weeks. But we love, you know, playing hide-and-seek. We're not hiding from them. We're hiding for them or we hide things, you know, let them find treasure hunts. That's what God does for us. Okay. So that's just like something that God is speaking. And um, there's this prophetic word that I was reading, a very trustworthy prophet, but I feel like there's something that God is stirring in this, is that we've been... uh, We've been looking and pressing into revival. We've been looking and pressing into the next move of God. And God is moving. He's moving throughout the world. He's stirring something that's very fun, (laughs) that it's very important. It's very deep, and it's shifting nations. And, you know, it's very common for us to see God moving in very miraculous ways. You know, that uh, when we go into Myanmar, these people have never heard the name of Jesus before. You know, you saw a picture on a track and you would say, who's that man? Is he traveling with you guys? Is he a relative? 
the true story happened to me. You know, I said, that's Jesus. He lived a long time ago. Was he a relative? No. <laughs> Let me tell you about him. And then when we share with people and we pray for the, pray for the sick and they're healed and the, the demoniacs are delivered and they say, why didn't anybody tell us this before? Nobody's told us this before, they'd say. I said, well, finally. You know, there's a lot of ground to cover. <laughs> or we're in uh, Bangladesh. All Muslim background believers, meaning weeks ago they were Muslim. And now they're following Jesus. And Muslims don't um, interact with women, except for their own wives. Uh, they won't shake a woman's hand. Uh, Paul was speaking about the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the whole room, the, all of the people are just bawling their eyes out, clinging to us, hugging us and won't let go, grabbing my men. Some of these men used to be imam. Men grabbing my hand and placing it on their own head. And bless me, weeping. You know, God, God is like shifting and moving the nations. Nothing is impossible, literally. Nothing is. Nothing's impossible. And the, the desire of nations is Christ. The desire of every person in, that you know, the really negative ones, the really agitating ones, their desire is Christ and everything that heaven has for them. And it's only, we're all, we're all so broken on the inside without him that uh, we learn how to cope in ways that are sometimes irritating, sometimes negative, sometimes hurt people around us, right? But he's the desire of nations. When he comes into the situation, lives are changed and transformed in ways that we cannot explain, right? Now, a little bit about us. We don't have uh, any kind of theological training except for reading the word of God and following it. We don't have any letters of recommendations to send us to the nations. <laughs> and we don't speak with wise and persuasive words. We don't have many of those around. <laughs> but the demonstration of God's power, the simple truth. The thing is that the gospel is not complicated. But the reality is, I realized this week, if I stood outside of just about any church in West Michigan... And I asked people to tell me what is the gospel. I doubt that 5% could tell me what that exactly is. That was the conclusion I came to. I haven't tested it yet. I, I made a couple pastors shake in their boots that I was going to stand outside the doors and interview people as they left church. <laughs> I'm going to go to your church, pastor. I'm going to ask people when they're leaving the church if they could tell me what the gospel is. But it's, the gospel is what sets people free. And if we, who already have this freedom, the salvation, cannot articulate it, then when we talk about being light of the world, we really don't have a definition for that. Because being light means being able to draw people out of darkness and bringing them into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light. And if we can't articulate that, then we can't actually see it happen. Um, I, I don't know. It's just pretty clear in the Bible. You do have to tell people. <laughs> you know, there, there's certain power in prayer, yes, but I, I don't think that prayer in and, of, in and of itself can save a person or save a nation. Um, that it requires somebody to go. And uh, it says it repeatedly in the Bible. And uh, sometimes the message has become, come, just come and visit our church. Just come to this event. And um, actually, in reality, it's that it doesn't matter our church's seating capacity. It, it, mat it matters what is our sending capacity. How, mo how many of us are, are willing to be sent to our neighbor, to our neighbor or to a nation? What if it's your neighbor? <laughs> Right? What if it's the people you already know? Um, that's 
basically what we do most of our life is that we go into churches and we rattle the cage a little bit and we say, all of us need to tell people about Jesus. (laughs) Because if it's only this guy, this girl, that guy, the truth is that um, the growth of population is greater than the growth of the church in most places. And if it's only about superstar preachers, um, they're doing the best they can, but they don't know your neighbor. You do. That's why he said that um, in Acts, he says, uh, he's, he's chosen our habitation. <laughs> when we would be born, how old you would be right now? Because you'd be most effective at your age in 2018, December, with your neighbor, you would be the most effective person to proclaim the gospel. You are called and chosen with the very parents that you had, as messed up as it was. Because their DNA somehow created who you are. That experience somehow created who we are right now. (laughs) And that encounter with God, it activated us to be released amongst the people we know right now. It was God's strategic move. Not by our own plan. Probably would have chosen a warmer place. Uh, (laughs) I sometimes joke and say, uh, God created me and put me in Michigan so that when he called me to the tropical islands, I would have no hesitation. Here I am, Lord. Send me. (laughs) Um, Okay, so this is the actual message I was going to share with you. They didn't tell me how much time I have, so I'm just going to go. It's a Christmas story. There's this, there's this story about um, in the Middle East where these guys were. Um, have you ever seen those? Uh, when I was in Africa, you could see people groups that I've only seen on TV. It was crazy. Um, but, you know, they, these uh, guys who just wander out in the desert and they're, you know, covered from head to toe. And they have their turbans on. And they're watching over sheep or camels or goats. And there were these guys doing that. And they were staying out too late. And then all of a sudden there was open heaven. And they were like, what the? And it says, all of the glory of God showed to them. And they were just out there doing their thing, you know. And they were enveloped with God's glory. The heavens opened up and the angels came down to talk to them. I was rereading that again this morning and I thought, wow, have you ever put yourself in those shoes? You know, how often we cry out. We desire open heavens. We desire the glory of God. And these guys got it all. You know, angels and everything. And, um, it was really interesting to me in this story is that God, God could have torn open the heavens over the whole world. All of heaven was on the edge of their seats in this night with God's plan being unveiled, revealed. What in the world? Look at this. Uh, every person in the whole world could have seen an open heaven and then the birth announcement of a king that was not from this world. But it wasn't. It was just these guys. And they were somehow chosen uh, to receive this invitation or this announcement. So you guys know the story. This is the, the shepherds watching their field by night. It was night. They were in the darkness And it says, suddenly, you know, sometimes when we're in our darkest moment, there's going to be a suddenly. Actually, every night has a suddenly. Did you know that? Suddenly, the sun breaks over the horizon. And this one, it says, they they were watching in the darkness. They were watching in the darkness. They were leaning in. They were leaning forward. 
somehow, even though it was dark. And suddenly, heavens were open over them. Wow. So you have to ask, why, why them? <laughs> right? Why them? They, they didn't seem to say that they were out there worshiping like Paul and Silas. They were just out there doing their work, right? Why them? And I don't think it was what they were doing before the heavens opened, but what they did after the heavens opened was why they were chosen. You see, they could have stayed there and given glory to God and waited for the heavens to open again. Maybe something more miraculous will happen this time. Maybe something cooler Maybe a deep revelation will come next time. And they keep staring at the sky, waiting for the next time for heavens to open. But they didn't. They ran. They ran. And it says, after they saw this baby, they told everybody they ever met that the Messiah was born. But how many people stay there in the field saying, that was crazy. That was amazing. Next revival night. Maybe it will be even greater. And then other shepherds start coming to the same field because they heard about the skies opening. And they gather in the same field and look together, waiting for the skies to open. And all of the people... All of the shepherds waiting for the skies, the heavens to open again. When really, God had already made his move and he was waiting for them. He chose the ones that would make their move. (laughs) He moved so that we can, so that they would be empowered with a message to take to everybody. In uh, 2 Corinthians, it says that God was on a mission in the world. He was reconciling the whole world back to himself. And he says he's given us also the message of reconciliation. And he says he puts this burden, this message in our bones, as it begs the people, please be reconciled to God. Please. Your life is broken. I know what that's like. Mine was broken. I was hopeless. If I told you my... You wouldn't believe it. But God. And then he gave us this message of reconciliation saying, you know that brokenness, everybody experiences it. It's because we're far from God. And God doesn't want to be far from you. He wants to be close to you. He, wa- he desires to be close to you. We've gone our own way. That's, we walked in the opposite direction. That's why we're far. That's why we're broken. But God, he went out of his way. He came to us. He moved. It was a move of God <laughs> when he sent his son. And he says, now it's your turn to move. He says, if you turn away from whatever that was that's making you feel far, and you turn towards me, he says, He reconciles us back to him. He makes us brand new. He gives us a brand new life. He he puts a message and a song in our hearts. And he puts us on a mission in the world. It's an encounter. It's a clash of heaven and earth. I'm not saying that for your sake. I know you know it. I'm saying it because this is the gospel. That the world is broken And far from God. But God doesn't want to be far from us. He has a perfect design for our life. And if we turn away from our old life and turn to Jesus, he will do away with everything that made us far from him and bring us back to God's original plan. That's it. So simple. That's the gospel. Okay? And we need to learn how to articulate this. We need to shout it to the world. We need to beg people. There's a way to be reconciled to God. Please take hold of it. 
Even as a Christian, as a believer, there are areas of our our lives that sometimes feel fractured, still hurt, still broken. In that area of our life, we can repent. We can turn back the other way and turn back to Christ and give it back to him. And he will restore it. He will make us new again in that area of our life. Because salvation is wholeness. It's every single area of our life as we surrender it to him. Okay, the shepherds. There was the next encounter that is talked about is in that, in that uh, Luke chapter 2 is when they brought him to the temple. They bring the little baby to the temple. Simeon grabs the baby. He's holding the baby. He prophesies over the baby and over their family. But Anna, Anna the prophetess, She didn't touch the baby. Wasn't her baby. She interrupted the conversation. This guy is prophesying. You're not supposed to interrupt people when they're prophesying, right? She interrupts them and she she gives her own prophecy, but then she starts telling everybody that the Messiah has come. It says, Everybody who is looking, everybody who is looking. She would tell them, he's here. She began to be an evangelist within the temple. Anybody who was broken, anybody who was seeking and searching, she would tell them. And I I found that interesting. I think there's maybe something to it. You guys can dig into it. But Mary was was bearing, she was birthing this gift. And she kept it all to herself. She pondered it in her heart. And it says this repeatedly. She pondered these things in her heart. She kept it to herself. She didn't run around telling everybody, I'm holding the Messiah. Even when he was growing, even when he was doing miracles, she didn't run around tell people. And actually one time Jesus even said, who is my mother and my, my brothers? They're the ones who obey the word of God. Mary held the Messiah, but she didn't proclaim the Messiah. In that time, I mean, you know, don't record that, whatever. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that the shepherds went out and proclaimed it. Um, Simeon held the Messiah, but he didn't, it didn't say that he proclaimed the Messiah. He actually had kind of a downer kind of prophecy, like this is going to be a sword to your soul, you know. <laughs> Too bad for you, it's going to be a bad story, you know. Um, but Anna, she proclaimed it everywhere. And so I think they have different roles, but I think there's something to that. The shepherds and Anna went out and told everybody. Their message was personal to them because they had an encounter, but they proclaimed the Messiah. Okay. So God has made his move. Uh, God moved when he sent his son, Right? That was a thin atmosphere. Can you say thin? <laughs> you know, God, in, God wrapped up in flesh doesn't get thinner than that. <laughs> um, God moves when he tore the veil. When Jesus breathed his last breath, he tore the veil between the presence, the most holy place, and the outer courts going to all people. You can't call that a thin atmosphere. There's nothing left. It was shredded. Nothing left. And he says something like this um, in 2 Corinthians 3, if you want to look that up. It says, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 16. Whenever a person turns to the Lord... The veil is removed. This is the veil that covers people's hearts. Some people can't understand what you guys are doing right now. They can't. You're weird. And you're meeting in a school. (laughs) You're what? Church in a school. Weird. There's a veil that covers over their heart. They don't get it. But it says whenever somebody turns to the Lord, the veil shredded. But it goes further. Um, This is the best part. Um, 
verse 17. Now the spirit, the Lord is a spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we, with all unveiled faces, we're looking at a mirror at the glory of God, but we're being transformed into his glory to the same image from glory to glory. And another, I like this, we're looking through like a cloudy mirror. It's, it's, it's leaning into the fog. He's there in plain sight, but to us, there's some, there's some cloudiness. We have to press in and lean in for it. Um, but I think it's in uh, the New Living Translation. It says, but those who have had the veil removed can see and can reflect the glory of God. They can see the glory of God, and they can reflect the glory of God. That's powerful. See, these three areas, the atmosphere is not thin. It's non-existent. God wrapped up in human flesh? There's no line dividing the two. The veil being torn in the most holy place, there's no line dividing the two anymore. Us, those who turn to Christ, have had the veil removed. There's no more line between the two. It's what we choose to press into. That's why if we, if we really take the word of God as truth and choose to walk in it and believe it and press into it, he says all things are possible to those who believe. You know? But it seems like an empty catch-all phrase. Or a bumper sticker. That's true. Like we've che- it's cheapened somehow because we haven't experienced impossible enough. Uh, you know, to the one who's never seen the miraculous, they sit on their couch and say, it's foggy outside. There's no such thing. And you're just going to camp out here till things clear up. But those who have seen purpose and have a vision, they go out and they see things in the midst of the fog. They find treasures. They dig for treasure even in the dark. And they find treasure. You know? Uh, so in closing, this is, this is like, I'm going to give you a traditional Baptist closing. <laughs> I grew up Baptist, fundamental conservative, proud of it. Um, the Christmas time is about Emmanuel. It's about Emmanuel, God with us. And I don't know how to put enough weight on this, that if God is with us and God is for us, who can be against us and what can stop us? Nobody and nothing. Um, but if we believe the static then we'll walk somewhere like in the middle, the norm. And I don't think anybody in this room is normal. I don't think anybody in this room wants to be normal. You know, that's what I, I really, I, I get the feeling. We don't want to be normal, okay? But there are keys to be an unstoppable force in the kingdom of God. Are you ready? This is something you're going to need to write down. If you want to be an unstoppable force in the kingdom of God, you need to know how to talk to people without being awkward. You're like, how are you doing? How is your family? Good. Pretty good. You don't have to talk back to me on awkward. I just have to be able to strike up a conversation. Did you get new glasses? They look nice on you. That's good for your shape. You know? Do we know how to pay a compliment and just start talking to a random person? Okay? This is a training I'm going to do with you guys. Okay? This, this is for real. Okay? For real. If you want your world to change, you need to learn how to strike up conversations with people. And even if that's all you do this week is just talk to random strangers, it's a, it's a big step forward in moving forward the kingdom of God is talking to people. Even talking to people that you know and just telling them things you don't always tell them. 
like, I, you know what, I love you. I'm not going to wait till you die and say it over your casket. It's your, I, uh. <laughs> okay, when you're, when you're checking out at the grocery store, don't go to the U-scan. Stand in line, engage. Just, just for your own sake, for your own sake for now. And interact with people. Talk to them. Find something you like about them. Think up questions to ask people. What are you doing for the holidays? That's a pretty good one for now. Right? Do you have any, what, what's your, you know, maybe if it's somebody you know a little bit better, what are you excited about for the new year, for this coming year? You know? How to engage people. We need to engage people in order to engage them with the gospel. Okay? But first we have to be real. People. And know how to talk to people. You know? We can't read a script for this. You can't preach and use, you know, you can't, you can't use memorized scriptures with a scripture reference tag on the end. John 3.16 says, <laughs> and people are like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> okay, so this week, just practice talking to people. Okay? It's, it's a, okay, we can do that. All right? Um... I'm going to give you another step, right? And it's not much harder, and you don't have to do it this week, but I want you to write it down because maybe next week you can do it. If you're ready for it now, you can do it now. Say, there is a time in my life. Say it to me. There was a time in my life that I was depressed and suicidal. There was a time in my life I was so broken I didn't want to live anymore. Whatever yours was. There was a time in my life I couldn't control my anger. There was a time in my life I was so depressed. There was a time in my life that I just didn't want anything to do with God. There was a time in my life I felt rejected by everyone I knew. What's yours? What's yours? This is a 15-second testimony. Okay? There was a time in my I'm going to tell you mine, okay? 15 seconds. You can time me. Ready? There was a time in my life that I was depressed and suicidal, but then I made Jesus the Lord of my life, and he gave me hope and purpose. Do you, have a, do you have a story like that? And then you listen to them. Let them talk. Or maybe they already started talking. You know what? People vent to us all the time. Like, why do people always pour their garbage on me? It's because God has healing balm that he's given to you. They're broken. You know, random people come up to me and Meyer and be like, uh, I don't know what we're going to do about this. I was like, really? It's, uh, it's really bad. You know, I ask them another question about it. Let them open up. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of brokenness in that. They're probably hurting a lot. You know, I, I, I experienced something similar. I was really broken. I didn't even want to deal with my family anymore. But you know what? Then I made Jesus the Lord of my life. And he gave me a new hope. He gave me peace and joy on the inside that I never had. Okay? So that's just testimony. 15 seconds. Okay? Two words that describe your life before. And then the middle phrase is, then I made Jesus the Lord of my life. You don't have to go into detail. Okay? Then I made Jesus the Lord of my life. And then two things that describe your life that changed. Two words. Okay? You can do a longer one later if you're, you know, if you have that kind of situation. But if you're just striking up a conversation with somebody and you can just say that and leave it there, that's a step forward. Right? So that's for next week. Okay, there was a time in, these are three phrases. You're just going to insert four words, okay? There was a time in my life. Then I made Jesus the Lord of my life. Do you have a story like that? Or how about you? Whatever sounds natural to you. You don't have to do it like a script. How would you say that? Okay, it's pretty simple. Sometimes I just ask people, you know, I introduce myself in in a way that tells them that I'm a dealer. 
you know, I, I think I've never been a drug dealer or in a gang before. <laughs> I've never actually been in a gang before, believe it or not. Um, but I'm, I'm sure that they have to have a way of announcing themselves that people know. They know where to get the goods, right? Okay, how do you introduce yourself? Sometimes I introduce myself like this. Hey, we like coming here and praying for people, like if they have any problems or if you have any sickness or pain in your body. Is there any way we could pray for you? I introduce myself as somebody who likes to pray for other people. Or, what are you doing here in Asia? I will actually tell them I'm a missionary. Why? Because then they know I'm a dealer. I got the goods. You know, I found out this just one week ago that some people avoid even mentioning they go to church. I almost died. I thought we were a lot further along than this. You know, that's a good way to open a conversation. We're in West Michigan, the Bible Belt of the Midwest. We're not ashamed that we go to church. Come on. It's a good way to open conversation. Well, you know what? When, when we were get, getting out of church, I was just thinking about this. Hmm. Okay? So we just need something to say. Okay? We need to interact with people. So the first one is just, like, talk to random people or your neighbors or your family in ways that you don't usually talk to them. The second one is a 15-second testimony. Tell them something about yourself. Because, you know, what? when we open up ourselves, they're more likely to open up themselves. It happens. Or if they already opened up themselves, then you can match it. Just say, yeah, I relate. I gotcha. Okay, but we can't stop there. Um, Two things that are really important, I would say one is praying for people. God says that he confirms his word with signs and wonders and miracles. But if we don't give them the platform and the opportunity, it's a partnership. He's like, you're just my mouthpiece, but he's got the power. So as, as a mouthpiece, if we don't introduce him and give him the opportunity, what's the likelihood of it happening? It's very low. But if we step out, risk feeling a little foolish, it all depends on him, though. So we just pray for people. Just ask them, is there anything I could pray for you? I know this is a tough time of year. Is there anything I could pray for you? You know what response I get here in Michigan? Well, we could all use some prayer, couldn't we? Yes, actually, my uncle, he fell. I've been taking care of him. He fell, broke his hip. He lives in apartments on the second floor. Can't even get out of his own apartment. You pray for him? Yeah, you can. Pray for him and allow the Holy Spirit to touch that person. Now, I don't remember who it was. It was one of the great evangelists on television. He said, you know, uh... The Bible says we should lay hands on the sick. In our culture, we, pr- we pray for the sick like this. Lord Jesus, <laughs> please heal this man from his pain. <laughs> or like hovering. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's not laying on hand. That's hovering a hand. Like, Lord. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I guess you could consider that like a shadow healing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it says, lay hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Lay hands on people. Say, do you mind if I put my hand on your shoulder, your back? You know, people need that. The only touch they've been getting lately is on their cell phone. No, how how many people need a hug? You know, I'm 37. I finally got to the place where no matter how old or young a person is, I just feel like I can give them a mama hug, you know. Some people need a hug. When's the last time they had? When's the last time you had a hug? Okay, we're gonna have a hug fest later. Okay, so the last. Okay, so pray for people. So the first one is talk to somebody. Second one is share your testimony. Third one is praying for people. Now the prayer can come at any point in time. Just go by what you sense is the right timing for that. But we need to share the gospel. If we do all of those things and we didn't share the gospel, we haven't shared the gospel. I know that sounded weird, but some people do those things and they think that's the gospel, but it's not yet. We need to give them an invitation. 
Okay? So it goes like this. I keep using this side of the room as evil. I'm so sorry. I don't, I didn't mean it. Should have used that side. I don't know why. I always refer to the left side as the heavenly side, though. I'm sorry. Maybe we should move this off. <laughs> okay. So picture it this way. I, I do a little sketch. I can, if you're interested, I can show you later how I do a sketch. Then you don't have to look at people in the eyeball. You can both be looking at a piece of paper instead. Side by side. Um, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give you the verbiage, okay? Modern words to explain the gospel so you don't sound like a dork. <laughs> Ready? Okay. This side is going to represent brokenness. The world is full of brokenness, right? So we have broken systems, broken government. You have a lot of problems, calamities, and so on and so forth. This goes in the brokenness section. And all of us are trying to escape that by trying to feel good, materialism, addictions, relationships, religion. But the thing is that all those things that try, we're trying to use to escape, it always brings us back into the same brokenness. We end up in the same spot, right? But that's not how God created the world. He created the world with a perfect design. He created your life with a perfect design. But it's because we went our own way, away from his design. We chose our own way. It's called sin. It's the only religious word I'm going to use. When we turned away from God and did things our own way, it brought us into this brokenness. And now we feel far from God. Not lost, far from God. Do you feel far from God or close to God? There's a good question. So that's how we found ourselves in this brokenness. But God doesn't want to be far from you. That's why he sent his son Jesus down to earth. When Jesus lived a perfect life, when he died on the cross, he wasn't paying for his own sin. He paid for your sin and mine. The Bible says that he rose again to life to prove that he had paid all of our sin in full. So that if we turn away from our own way and turn to him, he will give us a new life. Okay? So it's just these three things. God's perfect design, brokenness, the cross. If we turn away, we have new life. Okay? So I can show you how to sketch that out in a really simple way. But we need to be able to articulate this. To say it to people. Because then we can ask them. We don't ask them, do you want to go to heaven or hell? They're already living in hell. Not to say there isn't a literal one, but I th- they're, already ha- they're living in brokenness. So you ask them, what, how do you feel you're living right now? Mostly in brokenness? Or do you feel like you're already living God's perfect plan for your life? They get to choose. I feel pretty broken right now. Would you like to turn away from that and turn to Christ? Pretty easy, right? Pretty simple understandable okay so i just i just had to do that because if we if we leave people short of the gospel it's like a dang, dangling salvation in front of them and then walking away or giving people a false sense of hope and they can easily fall back into great brokenness and misunderstanding and we can't leave it up to the pastor he doesn't know your neighbor either and he's not going to visit your neighbor. Don't ask him to. <laughs> he might, but what I'm saying is that if we all go out, it's exponential, right? Okay, so we got that. So then we need to learn how to pr- lead people into that kind of prayer. In America, you can just say, would you like to turn away from that and turn to God? If they say yes, would you like to tell him? And you can just let them say it in their own words. God, I want to come back to you. But if you feel like they would be really uncomfortable doing that, you could lead them in a prayer. And I always use ABC. I admit that I've sinned. I believe that you died on the cross and paid for my sin. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Okay? If you didn't write it down, you're going to forget it within like 20 minutes. If you didn't write it down, I'm just telling you. If you're anything like me. 
Okay, so ABC makes it easy to remember, but you can lead them into a very simple prayer saying, starting today, I'm going to live your way. I'm going to walk in the, in the fullness you created me for. Okay, amen. So this is my very last. Okay, is this a normal time to finish, like 1130? Okay, feel, feel bad for the kids. Um, some people are waiting for God to move, but God already moved. Um, he's waiting for us to move towards him in unique ways that we haven't before, right? Pressing into the fog, digging into the darkness. He's looking for us to move towards him in ways we never have before. Okay, you got that one? He's looking for us to move towards him. But that's not the end of it. When we move towards God, when we experience him, he's going to invite us to move with him. And what he's doing. And that's why I gave you these tools. When we move with him, it's all about the souls of man. It's all about bringing those who are far, bringing them into reconciliation. He is a father whose heart is broken for the people who are far from him. His message is always a message of reconciliation. Reconciling those people back. He loves you. He's proud of you. You're awesome. You're a treasure. All of those things, yes and amen. But his eyes are always on the ones who are far. He's like the father and the prodigal son. He's always out there going like, when are they going to come back? When is he coming back? His heart is broken for it. Right? He's the God who leaves the 99. We're the 99. We can go with him as we call the people back. But he says, I'll leave the 99 to go after that one. You guys are doing a good thing here, you know, and keep it up, but I'm going to go after that one. (laughs) All right, but when we move towards God in a unique way, he's going to invite us to move with him in a unique way, which means sharing your testimony, praying for people, and getting the gospel out. Okay, amen.